You're listening to Paint the Town Podcast with your hosts. L.A. Street Art Gallery resident artist, teacher, and founder of L.A. Street Art Gallery, James Chen of What's up, everyone? Paint the Town Podcast, episode 123. What's going on, bro? Oh, I'm a little tired, you know. Uh, it's, uh, it's November 4th, you know, day after because election. Yeah, the, uh, the uh, uh, results, you stayed up all night to, uh, come on, you, you knew we weren't going to have a result by tonight, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> there was a, a tiny, tiny chance that there would have been a landslide either one way or another, you know, um, and, that- you know, you never know. But, no, I didn't stay up uh, mainly to listen to results. I just um, I started cutting a, a stencil of a wave. I didn't think so, um, yeah. <laughs> at, yeah, at about, uh, about 1.30 in the afternoon or so, Jesus. 2 o'clock. And then finished up about three in the morning. Oh my God, man. That's, that's uh, yeah, 13 hours. <laughs> I actually got a, uh, dude, I got a blister on the opposite side of my finger. See that? Look at that. Yikes. Yeah, I and, see that thing, I man. Mean, that it's, it's basically from holding the knife and bending my finger backwards as I'm cutting, you know, like uh. this. Shit, it's like a. There's a lot of times when I cut, I'm going like this, you know. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Yeah, that's oof. So, yeah, I mean, you'd think maybe on this side, but no, on this side of the finger from uh, from cutting. But uh, that's uh, it was a very zen. It was a very zen experience, um, you know, <laughs> as opposed to you know sitting there looking at results or anything like that. I actually didn't look at anything until I guess the wife came in at about uh, 9.30 or so. She was just done because she had realized by then it wasn't going to be a landslide. And, uh, you know, she said, I'm, I'm going to bed. I'm tired. I can't deal with this anymore. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. I'm like, is there, you know, what's going on? She's like, well, it's not a landslide. And I was like, uh. So that's the only information I had. All day yesterday, basically. Mm. I didn't. I didn't look at anything. I just. I just cut the stencil, and um, you know, it was nice. It was. It's probably the most detailed stencil that I've ever done. But it's, you know, you're cutting out water, so it's little droplets and stuff like that. It, it took a long time before it started looking yeah. good. Well, let's take a look at it real quick. All right, hold on a second. I have to take my headphones off. All right. As, as Tisha is getting his, his uh, stencil, this thing's like uh, as big as Teacher, actually. And if you're, I really suggest you take a look, real quick look uh, on YouTube. Yeah, this is fucking amazing, feet. man. Jeez, man. This is, uh, reminds me of uh, the Japanese oh. wave, man. Yeah. I looked at a bunch of different waves. Yeah. To to pick one out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm you know I haven't done a wave this detailed yet. It's it's not that easy cutting a stencil of a wave you know with, with detail in it. 
It's not um, that easy cutting a stencil, man. I mean, you make it look real easy, bro. Well, yeah, you, know I mean? <laughs> you know, certain things, but, but um, you know, a wave with like, you know, that I wanted to try to make it look as realistic as possible. Mm -hmm. I was actually looking at a couple of the old timey, um, you know, Japanese print waves, uh, you know, they have like the yeah. boat and the, and, the, and the big wave and stuff like that. The Kanagawa rig. Uh, that would have been easier. That yeah, would have been a hell of a lot easier to cut one like that. You know what I mean? Because yeah. the, the the pattern kind of is already established. But mm. uh, I just kind of started cutting and decided I would figure it out as I as I went. And mm. uh, yeah, just uh, just kind of kept going until kind of felt like it was done. Mm. Looked at the clock and was like, ooh. <laughs> in my finger man like i said that's that's the weirdest thing i've never had a blister on that side of my finger uh it's the first for everything man shoot <laughs> <laughs> well shit man the thing is you know i i know that you weren't paying that much attention uh because i actually texted you yesterday because i was feeling like uh just like you know a lot of just like noise from the election right and then i was just like oh hell hey. yeah man you, you know, and I was on just like... On both sides, dude. There is unrest on both sides. <laughs> you, know? you know, right by my house, um, you know, here in Orange County, I saw another one of those uh, uh, Hollywood Trump signs, you know. I, I remember on the side of the freeway along the mountains, kind of like, you know, it looks like a Trump Oh, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. So somebody came all the way... The... So, yes, uh, uh, on the oh, side no. of the freeway in the mountains, too, you know what I mean? So, like, it's just funny because uh, tis the season... For uh, street art, you know what I mean, and it just and I was just like, man, thank. I thought about it and I was like, dude, thank God I had like your piece, bro. You, you know what I mean? Because I took a look at your piece, uh, you know, oh, and I, the cat and the dog. Yeah, tolerance. and then I was just like, you know what? I appreciated that because, uh, like you said, that's really what we need right now. You know, when you mix the red and the blue and it turns into purple, and it's something beautiful, like the Lakers. You know, Laker purple, right? You know, and that's uh, <laughs> it's like tolerance, man. Like. Uh, it seems like uh, not that many people understand that, but um, but you know what's well, no. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. We have um, a leader that is basically taking tolerance and throwing it out the window with the way he attacks people. Okay, just that alone, just the way that he attacks people and goes after people, that makes it all right for everyone else to do it. But you know, some people, yeah, exactly. And when you're some attacking people. Like people it, that means you don't have any tolerance. You have zero tolerance. Okay. Well, you know, he always plays like, you know, some people, they're like, yeah, they love how he does that shit, though. You know what I mean? They make him feel like strong when you're on the offense, you, you know? I mean, that, that's yes. just some people, right? And then uh, yeah. we'll kind of yeah, see how look what it will do to your damn country when everyone does it. Yeah, man. But we'll start okay. a civil war, dude. <clears throat> there's a Don't few you know there's a lot of militias that are out there ready and waiting? I'm just wondering, like, uh, um, yeah, when we'll get the results, man. But, you know, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we'll try to release Dude, this. they're saying North Carolina isn't going to even start counting until the 12th. What's up with that? <laughs> yeah, what's up with these fucking states? They're like, hey, guys, we're not going to have it until Thursday. And Pennsylvania, we're, busy, like, you know, we're not going to uh, have it until Friday. And I'm just like, dude, what the fuck, man? Get your shit together, dude. Like, you, you know what I mean? In 2000, I remember when we went, when we went through this. Uh, it was really funny, man. Um, it took like a couple weeks or something. Not funny. It's not, it was funny at all, actually. But it, it took like a couple weeks. Well, it wasn't the time because back then, you know, it didn't make that big of a difference. You know, I didn't either have to listen to someone's every thoughts every fucking day, you know, and see them all over the news. So, you know, who was president 
maybe to us back then wasn't as important, you know? Yeah, but I think that's when, like, the division started, though. But real quick, man, I want to just uh, a few um, highlights that because I do see our guests in the waiting room. Um, but oh, cool. I, I do uh, – there. <laughs> I just wanted to say um, – to the kids that tried to uh, uh, make the people that try to make the vote to 17 year olds. Okay. <laughs> that didn't pass. So, you, you know what I mean? So I was like, Wait, what? <laughs> you know, you know, proposition 18, how um, they wanted to let 17 year olds vote basically. Oh, okay, you didn't know that was on the ballot. No, well that, well, that didn't pass. So I said, <laughs> Fucking kids, oh, dude. <laughs> Sorry, you know what? at least wait until you're old enough to die for your country. <laughs> no, I was like, you know how much that's going to fuck up the whole system when, uh, okay, now California, 17-year-olds can vote. Is that going to count for uh, just California when they do, like, the national voting kind of stuff? Or, you know, it just, like, makes the system a very complicated system. Even oh, more it just opens it up for tons of lawsuits. And then let's just uh, let's just have sixteen-year-old votes too. You know, I mean, while we're at, while we're arguing the seventeen-year-olds, so I'm just saying it's like, dude, we don't need any more dummies voting. And when I was seventeen years old, man, I didn't know shit, dude. Okay, and I was actually oh my god, dude, you would not have wanted me voting at seventeen. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I didn't know shit. There's a few things I wanted to, uh, um, uh, you know, I'm happy about. You know, Oregon like decriminalized like all the drugs, right? <laughs> well i'm just saying it's 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 good because like you know they can actually get to the the problem instead of like you know in, in my opinion instead of like just incarcerating like you know low-level drug offenders or stuff like that making you know? money off of people's weakness basically yeah you know so those are some of the highlights man um that i care about but anyways man so our guest today um, I see her in the waiting room, man. I'm, I'm pretty excited to talk to her, actually, because I actually found out through, uh, you know, last time we had Black Palms on the podcast, basically, right? Yeah. I love and Black yeah, super fun guy. And um, he was on a podcast actually called uh, Migrations, actually. Um, and then Nisha, who's our guest today, actually hosts this podcast. And I felt like, hey, you know what? Um, you know, I always love to do collaboration, especially anybody we have a link with. And I thought that it would be great to have another podcast host tell us a little bit about her podcast um, on our show. And then, I love the name. It's a very clever name. Yeah, exactly. And also, I was thinking, like, we can kind of talk a little bit about all of our, like, family backgrounds because, I mean, you know, I mean, you're, you're, you're a little bit Italian, a little bit Irish, you know, and then I'm obviously... Mostly Italian. <laughs> a little bit Irish and <laughs> yeah, yeah, So I have a drinking problem and I worry about it really well, supposedly. <laughs> and... You know, we can hear a little bit about Nisha's uh, background, too. So I'm going to go ahead and let her in. Put on your red shoes and dance the blues. Let's dance to the song we're playing on the radio. Hey, Nisha. Hello. Can you hear us? Hi. Yes, I can. How are you? Good. Do you awesome. like David Bowie? I do. <laughs> Hard not to. I was dancing, but I wasn't moving my feet. Okay, from the waist down, I was not moving. You know, doing the uh, doing the jig know. over here. It's hard to say on the internet these days. You never know what's happening, especially with the Zoom. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, from here down. 
Well, real quick, let me introduce my co-host, uh, Teacher. This is a legendary Los Angeles street artist, Teacher, also known as Keith. Cool. And uh, I'm James, and uh, we host the Paint the Town podcast. We're kind of just like, we, we say we're a street art podcast and a DJ podcast because he's a street artist and I'm a DJ, but really we kind of just like have whoever we want on and just kind of hang out with people and uh, interview them. As long as they have an appreciation at least for art or, you know, art in the streets or something like that, you know what I mean? They got to have some kind of knowledge of it or, or, you know, desire for it or something like that. But uh, And we know yeah. for sure that uh, Nisha does because how I found – her was um that our friend our mutual friend black palms basically right uh, he was yeah. on your podcast right yeah definitely yeah and he had reached out to me um you know after he even um interviewed with you both so it was super exciting to um make that connection and i'm so glad that we've come full circle now hell yeah and where, dude, first of all where are quick, you joining us from today i'm in los angeles i live in oh, okay yeah Cool. We're all in the Sorry, same Jane, time zone. No, 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 no worries. I was just going to compliment Nisha. She has like an amazing like NPR voice. You, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> it's, it's very like calm and relaxing, you know, you know, and then like, uh, I'm just saying Easy to listen to. excellent for podcast hosting. I got to say, you know, I mean, so, so I, I wanted to just welcome you on the show because she's um, also pretty. I mean, she's fun to look at. <laughs> there's that too. So I know, definitely. Nowadays, we got to, you know, get on. She was asking, it's funny. She was asking me today. She was like, is this an audio podcast or is this going to be yeah, like, video too? Do because I, do I have to look okay? <laughs> At least acceptable. Exactly. You know, like you'd answer your door. <laughs> exactly. Because I have a day job and usually like right when I'm done with that, I'm like, all right, I'm in pajamas. I'm just like, oh, know, I feel you. Real relaxed. So <laughs> <laughs> I, well, for Amen me, sometimes that, I, man. Sometimes I just roll out of my nap and then like uh, I do this show, you know what I mean? But I make sure I have like a little bit of like a little bit of like border so I don't have like any sleet on my eyes or anything like that, you, you know what I mean? But uh, <laughs> I know Teach has kids, so. He this guy, this guy just lays around and then does what he wants all day, you know, and then wakes up a little bit before the podcast and does that. <laughs> and after that, he has dinner and then goes back to bed. Meanwhile, me with, you know, twin 10 year olds, um, I'm up when it's daylight. You know, as soon as my son is up, I'm awake. Um, mm, yeah. Get them up, do some exercises, get them eating breakfast, get them ready to get on the computer <laughs> for homeschooling Zoom classes. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, full day, and then uh, after school activities, and then, uh, you know, all kinds of other things going on always. And then, you know, it's nice to be able to look forward to, you know, relaxing and doing the podcast <laughs> yeah we are living very <laughs> this, this is my reality. relaxing and, and enjoyment time so it's thank you so much for joining us today Tanisha yeah. can I ask you what's your uh normal day so obviously you do a lot of different things you're, you're like a creative what would you say so basically you host a podcast what kind of other ventures are you into I mean uh do you, sure. uh, yeah yeah so I'm a library director um oh. and for my full-time day job. And then I also have the podcast. Um, I am a writer. I write creative nonfiction, like memoir and essay. And then I also am a feminist healing coach. So I work with Sweet. people to talk about healing their wounds, talk about intergenerational trauma, you know, from a feminist lens, addressing things like systemic oppression, injustice, et cetera. Awesome. My God. <laughs> Dude, Very this is one of those times where like our interview is smarter than both of us put together. You know, oh, you that... and I together, you go like this, and you might you have half of her. 
That's big facts <laughs> right there, man. Yeah, we're, we're, honestly, for us, we're just very curious people. And we're, especially for me, I have like no business being on this podcast sometimes because of uh, this is a lot of the audience is street artists, you know what I mean? And I started a, a kind of like a blog community in 2010 that kind of covers street art. And it just grown, grew into this large community called LA Street Art Gallery which we have today and then which, uh, you know, spins off a podcast as well too. So definitely you, you do a lot of stuff, man. A lot of like, uh, I guess, uh, can I say it's like, kind of like here in LA do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe that's what happened. Cause I'm, I grew up in Chicago. So maybe I came here and it just like happened, but uh, I was just going to ask where you're from. Yeah. I, I was born and raised in Chicago. I mean, I was born and raised in the, in the suburbs of Chicago. I should clarify for, especially for people from Chicago that don't want to hear you say you're from Chicago, unless you lived in the city. But, oh gosh. Um, yeah. Which suburb? I just curious. I grew up in the Northwest suburbs um, in Hoffman Estates near Schaumburg. Okay. Oh, Schaumburg. I know where that is. Okay. Yeah, a lot of people are familiar with Schaumburg. Yeah. And I lived in the city for about 10 years before I went to grad school and then moved out to LA for the job actually. And um, yeah, here I am. But one thing that is interesting about like just kind of having these different interests is that I always kind of felt like this pressure to like niche down into one thing, like be like really an expert in one thing, but Mm. I never felt comfortable with that. I was just like, just like you said, I was just so curious about so many things. And I think it's really cool to find the connections between my interests. And that's what I love the most. Oh, dude, I love how well, you obviously also have the capacity to do more than just one thing really well. You know what I mean? Some of us have a processor, you know, <laughs> that, uh, you know, hey, focus on one thing, dude, you can do it. All right. And just focus on that one thing. You know, meanwhile, others have this processor that's like this going a million miles an hour. And for them, it's like, hey, dude, you need to do a few things. Okay. You need to do a few things so you can just keep your mind going and relax. Cause I'm like that for too, people, though. That's how it works. I'm like that too. What? I need to do like, I at least do like three, four things too at one time, you know, in terms of my creative, uh, uh, you know, ventures, basically one is this podcast. I make music. I have a day job as well as, a uh, in the chemical industry, selling acrylic for, you know, paints and things like that as well too. So I don't know. Let me ask you, do you feel, especially this ties into your podcast that it's because of maybe it's because of your, uh, ethnic background that we feel sometimes like we need to actually cover all of our bases. Like for me, I was always like, hey, I want to kind of venture onto my, do my creative things, but I want to make sure my parents are off my back in terms of like (laughs) kicking me out, you know, paying my rent and things like that. So uh, I want, maybe you can go into that. How do you feel about that, Nisha? What is is your um, nationality? For the the listening audience. I, uh, my parents were, are both immigrants from India, um, from, they both grew up in, in Mumbai. And I definitely think that's part of it. I think, um, I mean, I've had a few careers. First, I was an IT consultant. Um, I was an IT recruiter. And then I was a speech therapist, actually. And then I decided to go to um, library school and become a librarian. So um, I've had quite a path. And But the thing is, even though I've switched careers, I always tried to switch into things that were considered acceptable, especially in the eyes of um, Asian parents, you know, and <laughs> that would, things that would make me money and there would still be ways to, you know, climb up some type of ladder. But and you know, I'm, I'm grateful to have the opportunity and the privilege to be able to go to graduate school and be able to do these things. But there definitely was that idea where I felt like I had to 
um, you know, like I owed them and that they've worked so hard and sacrificed mm. so much and that like I need to kind of have that traditional idea of success. Um, I mean, I no longer feel that way, though. Um, I, I don't regret doing the things I've done. I've gotten so much out of these different careers, especially my career as a speech therapist, you know, really looking at things from a disability perspective has been really um, eye opening for me and brought some compassion, empathy to especially people that have invisible disabilities that may not, you know, you may not realize there's something going on with them. And it's increased my um, knowledge and sort of trauma informed lens, like just looking at someone, you have no idea what's going on in their life and you can't assume that. So I think all of it just ends up tying together, even in the library world, you know, people come into a library and they're asking you questions. It's not just about the questions that they're asking. There's like something going on that is bringing them. Maybe they're stressed about school. Maybe they're, you know, something going on in their family. Like all of those things are, are the deeper questions and the deeper issues. So they've all brought me to this place. So yes, the, the, the short answer is yes, I definitely have felt that pressure, but um, I don't think I felt it as much as a lot of my other um, Asian, South Asian and other Asian friends have. Um, my parents were never like, you must be a doctor or an engineer or a lawyer. <laughs> They weren't, but you know, with that being said, I kind of, I kind of almost had that internal pressure too. Mm. I don't, I also don't think if I was like, I'm going to be an actor. I don't, I don't know how supportive they would have been, you know? So. <laughs> were they like, were they passive aggressive maybe? Were they like, you know, dropping hints, like putting a <clears throat> journal on your thing? Oh, look at this, how nice, you know, that doctor thing is there. Well, I think, you know, I think like, that the... Not really, but like at the same time, I just, I, I think I had that, I had like my own guilt. Like, well, I can't like do something like that. That's like ridiculous, you know? So. How will people think I Right. Yes, exactly. What will people yeah. think of me? What will people think of them? You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. And, or uh, they look in the community. Yeah. That's another thing I saw. <clears throat> well, let me just say first of all, um, you're talking about going through all these different careers or whatever. Um, you look, you still look pretty damn young. So I don't know. What did you get started? <laughs> about five years old or something like that? Maybe probably because you know the Indians from India. You know they're just smart as hell. Um, just about every person I've ever met from India. We have some. I have uh, my son has a. Uh, classmate that's from India and his parents are just like, you know, their processor, you know, leaves mine in the dust. Um, but uh, I'm sorry, go ahead, James. Well, teach, I, I was okay, just going to say, I was just going to say that, um, uh, you know, for, for I think previous generations and also like part of me when I was younger, I always thought that, you know, you do things that you don't like to do for work so you can do things that you like to do for fun. <laughs> you know, that's like what our previous generation was kind of always telling us, you know, but I think that the millennial mentality. Actually, you know what? My dad, uh, yeah, more so than my mom, um, said, you know what? If you could find something that you really love doing, then do that, you know, because then if you're doing what you love, it's not so much work. Definitely. Now, but I would say that the immigrant. When it comes to art, though. <laughs> It's it's different. That's I, true. You could have chose many other things besides that, and it would have been a lot easier. But as well, an artist, with the you know, without the solid income and everything, it's been a very hard life. Go ahead, James. I was saying that I, I definitely um, understand from teacher's point, which is actually a very unique perspective too. You know, but I think a lot of immigrants they come over here not necessarily. Uh, you know, when they when they think about okay, I got to work really hard to obtain my American dream. A lot of times that is like working physical things, work, you know, doing ma manual labor, doing things that you don't want to do so you can maybe have a better life in your retirement or for your kids too. So I think 
that, you know, of course, teach you have a very unique perspective. And I think that your father is uh, uh, definitely like, you know, very wise to say, like, choose something that you love. But I, th I think that, you know, just well, it's also probably because he was, you know, his job was to help make, you know, large artillery that kills lots of so, you know, <laughs> it's a different generation the laboratory at Eglin Air Force Base. Uh, I was, you know, uh, Air Force for four years, went out and served in Vietnam, luckily didn't have, serve active. Uh, he just basically showed the guys how to use the big weapons and then they went and did it. Um, but, uh, you know, he was civil service and, and weapons designs for over 30 years. Um, and so, you know, I can imagine, I can't, I can only begin to imagine what it must have been like for him being a, a Christian, you know, someone who, you know, has this, like, is it the first 10 commandments, thou shalt not kill, yet mm -hmm. his job is to create things that kill lots of people. Mm -hmm. um, so I think maybe that's probably one of the reasons why he was like, you know what, find something you love doing. <laughs> because I, I think he always had this mm -hmm. uh, internal um, battle, you know, with himself. Yeah. Um, oh, I'll never forget the day that I, I questioned him about it. You know, I'm like, Dad, so you're, you know, because he took me just to, to work couple of times and showed me what he was working on and everything and I was like wow and then that thing it hits the ground and then all these coils go out and then anytime something that wrinkles a coil it goes boom wow okay and yeah, so then I think yeah. I think of when I was about 14 or so I was like dad so um we're we're Christians and everything right um but your job is to kind of help kill people you know how does that how do we, how we rationalize that? I didn't say how we rationalize it. I didn't have those words in, but I was like, what the fuck? I didn't say that either, but that was, you know, my thinking. And, you know, he was ready for that day. He had a, uh, a Bible verse, you know, all picked out and everything. And he, I don't remember what the fuck it was or what it said, but I, what I do remember was that it rationalized it for him. You know, something like, you know, defending yourself or I, I don't remember what that, what, you know, we're, first it was or whatever but um i just remembered that it rationalized it for him and so i was like oh, okay so then it's okay to, to to kill people that are bad now <laughs> luckily i never got in any big fights because with the kind of mentality that i had i would i wouldn't have stopped until i killed somebody <laughs> because you know that's what my dad's doing yeah. so i got yeah. lucky Never got any big fights. Nisha, your parents were immigrants. Um, where, what was their background? I mean, they came from India, I'm guessing, for like education program? Yeah, and you know, I, I'm glad you asked that because I was just going to say, um, teacher, when you mentioned that, you know, a lot of Indians, you know, that are very smart. And then you also shared your story from about your dad, which I thank you so much for sharing that, um, that, you know, it's really interesting because my parents, uh, my dad first came here to get his master's in engineering because for so long um, there was the Asiatic Bard Zone. So Asians weren't allowed to enter the country for several years, I think for like 50 years and since the early 1900s, they were to a degree and then they barred um, a lot of Asian countries until the 1965 Immigration and Nationality yeah. Act 
which encouraged Asians, people from Asian backgrounds that were skilled workers to come. So, um, I mean, the idea of like the model minority has very much come from the policy as opposed to what I think is actually the truth that like, just like all human beings, there are various educational levels and various skill levels. But a lot of people and a lot of people from Asian backgrounds that have come to America honestly have these like skilled jobs and that's why they came here. And they wanted to attain the American dream, right? So um, it's interesting because my parents were never really like follow your dreams, but that's because they came here to survive and to like, you know, quote unquote, improve their life. And that meant that they had to get educated. That meant that they had to like work their ass off and sacrifice and work a couple jobs if they needed to and not pay attention to their mental health and things like that, that I think are really important to remember, because I think um, another important um, thing I talk a lot about when I talk about the model minority myth is that Asian Americans would not have gotten a lot of their civil rights if it weren't for the African American civil rights movement that really um, spearheaded the Asian Americans civil rights movement. And, you know, if any Asians have been, I think, used to def divide, create a division between this is the better minority, which is like a huge problem, you know. Um, so I think especially with a lot of Black Lives Matter things lately, um, that's been highlighted um, among a lot of Asian American um, activist groups that I'm aware of that like, no, you know, we wouldn't have the rights we had unless it was for black, you know, activists and black civil rights movement. So, um, so yeah, you know, it's really interesting, um, you know, how the intersections of people have kind of come together in, in certain countries where it's not exactly like that everywhere else. And hearing your father's story just reminded me of that too, because of, like I said, like my father and mother maybe didn't encourage me to follow my dreams, but I feel like it's also, it was also a survival strategy. My mom was an artist and is an artist, but she kind of stopped doing her artwork because she wanted to get a job with a pension, you know what I mean? And she wanted to be home with her kids and it still breaks my heart because I want my mom to follow her dreams too, but it's hard for her now. She's older. So, you know what, you'll, um, yeah, for me, it's, really it's very, it's very interesting. I actually see many of, uh, including my parents, as uh, you know, their children have gotten older, they re-go back and they pursue ballroom dancing, they'll pursue mm -hmm. like flower arranging, and they'll pursue like paper cutout, cutout kind of stuff. <clears throat> and actually just as a kid, I just didn't really even realize that um, a lot of times Im immigrant parents, they kind of put aside, I mean, I'm sure a lot of parents do, but I'm just saying just from my own perspective, they put aside basically a lot of their whole entire life, their traditions and their cultures come to a very, very strange place, different from their culture. And then, I mean, they still have uh, hobbies and uh, friends, <laughs> you, know, you know, I mean, but for me, it's just like my parents, did, I mean, it was like very few people, they kind of spent all their time like working on their kids when, when they were younger. I'm just saying like, uh, I think for a lot of immigrant families, um, it's kind of like such a priority because the reason they immigrated over to America is because they wanted their kids to have a better life. So, um, yeah. But, but yeah, that's just kind of like, um, you know, I, I think it's a really interesting. We have kind of like a few different perspectives here for, uh, um, and different generations as well too, right? Yeah, definitely. And I, I think that um, there's also the story of like Vietnamese refugees. So they came out here under very different circumstances. A lot of, you know, which, I mean, teacher, you just talked about like in terms of what happened in the war and stuff like that. So um, there's so many different types of stories, which is exactly why I have my podcast, Migrations, to talk about how these stories like inform the work of awesome name by the way i mean yeah. <laughs> how, how did you come up with that how long did that take to come up with that um gosh i did definitely i definitely like 
you know, like little like word puns like that. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> so once I came up with that, I was like, I've made sure to like look online to be like, I hope no one has taken this. Oh, yeah, and I was right. also like, like, how has no one taken this? Like, I'm surprised. Like, did I, I can't be the first person that thought about it. You, you know what? You're <laughs> very, uh, evidently so. <laughs> it's, it's good yeah. that you looked online because, you know, for us, it's funny. We, we started this podcast like almost, uh, you know, three and a half years ago now, right? And then like a half a year ago, uh, there was another podcast in the same, actually it was like, um, uh, we had some mutual friends, another Paint the Town podcast started up, uh, you, you know, the same exact name. I guess they had forgotten to Google the, <laughs> Google the name. And then it was this whole thing, you know, I mean, we had a trademark. So I'm just saying, it's like, guys, when you have creative ideas, be like Nisha and just make sure nobody's arrived at that idea <laughs> first. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, <laughs> and if they haven't, and if they haven't, and you do have the idea, get on that trademark. Yeah. <laughs> Don't mess around. Uh, so, so real Very quick, good uh, lesson to learn there. I want to just, because we're talking about um, Im immigrants kind of coming to this country, uh, teach just for uh, the audience and also Nisha, what's your uh, background and like, you, you know, when did your family uh, arrive in America? Oh, uh, let's see. Okay, so um, my dad is... Um, pretty much almost full-blooded Italian. Um, his, uh, his parents actually met over here and it was an arranged marriage. Oh. <laughs> um, they, you know, they had never met each other before or whatever. It was uh, up in New Jersey. And um, so I guess uh, certain family wanted them to get together brought them together and they're like hey you know you guys are gonna get married <laughs> hope you like each other <laughs> and so then they went to back to Italy and got married and then came back mm -hmm. and so uh, my dad was actually born in New Jersey um, and then he uh, his, uh, his side of the family is a little bit crazy um, uh, he's had he has uh, seven um siblings <clears throat> i guess uh three brothers and uh, four sisters and no 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 i'm sorry three brothers and three sisters because there were seven all together that's right um and my dad used to um when he was in high school he would rent um excavating equipment bulldozers and stuff like that and um he used to carry a shotgun around with him um and one day he was going to get his shotgun from where he would hide it. It was like these, um, uh, these wooden um, boxes and stuff like that. And he went to grab it and he got caught on something and it fired and just barely missed him. Um, and so that kind of uh, got him away from guns a little bit. Um, and because I think, uh, I forget which brother it was that, um, did some driving <clears throat> for um, one of the organized families. <laughs> um, uh, mob Very families Italian. Or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, my dad would never tell me much about that, though. Mm. Um, and I think that's, that may have been the one, the brother that blew his head off with a shotgun. Yikes. Um, but so my dad uh, got into the military and. Um, they he ended up down in uh, Eglin Air Force Base down in uh, Florida, and that's where he met my mom. Mm. At 
the, uh, of all places, at the chapel on base. You know, they have, they have a church mm -hmm. on base. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's, it's like such a dichotomy there. Um, but uh, they were actually singing. They're both singing in the choir. Mm. And so that's how they met, you know. Uh, one Ooh. night, uh, my dad offered my mom a ride home, you know, and so then they started spending more time with each other. Now, my mom, she is, uh, like her parents are both from northern Mississippi, and um, they are basically Scot-Irish and English and Welsh, um, and, you know, they grew up in northern Mississippi, dude. Like, <laughs> um, they had a cotton plantation, and they had black people working for them. Now, here's the thing, okay? Uh, this is an odd thing, but somehow rationalized to them, and instead of calling um, black people the N-word, they called them nigras. They would say nigra. Uh -huh. So to her, except her father, her father and like some of her brothers or whatever would say straight out the N-word. Um, but to them saying it like that, I guess was a little bit more respectful, mm -hmm. but they still had, you know, uh, black people. And actually to this day, I, I believe there are still people living on um, the uh, land and renting it that are black. Um, so, you know, but they were, it was definitely segregation, you know? Thanks for sharing that, man. I didn't, I've known you for this long and we've never actually like went deep into uh, your family background. So, I mean, I appreciate you, Nisha, for being on this, for uh, coming on this show so we can kind of get deep into our family histories. <laughs> you, you yeah. know? Here's the thing now, you know, for, and for my mom, um, you know, my dad is kind of dark Latin, mm. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's a, kind of a dark guy. Dude, before um, the 40s, man, so, Italians were totally, uh, you know, discriminated against to, uh, you, you know, they, they, you know, they talk, call them uh, especially guineas. Especially the darker they, ones, the ones with dark yeah. skin color. My dad, man, when he gets, me too, if I spend a lot of time out in the sun, I get pretty damn dark, you know, pretty pretty quickly. And I've seen my, you know, like certain shades of, of, of black people that I'm darker than. So, you know, uh, skin color, you know, we <laughs> not necessarily, um, you know, quantify you, but um, humans are always going to find a way to discriminate against against each other. Oh, yeah, other. It's like, hey, you live over there, you, you, you know. What I mean, they're going to find some way, some way that they live across the line or something like that. But, but uh, yeah. Also, with that, you know, with my mom and dad, you know, their uh, genetics and everything, the nationalities and everything. So you got basically an Italian with a Scot Irish and you know english and welsh so basically i should have a drinking problem and worry about it really well <laughs> italians are great at worrying they're just big time warriors you know um as well as have dry humor um i used to think it was just my dad but i actually went to um to italy uh back in 87 to try some modeling some international modeling and you know that's when i realized no it's the whole damn country they're <laughs> They're, they're, they're all pretty dry humor, uh, fellas over there. Um, great though. You know, they're very passionate people. Um, you know, great, happy, loving attitude and everything. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so that's, that's where you come up with, with me. <laughs>
Oh, wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. You know, on your podcast, you have an episode about Indian matchmaking, and I just wanted to yeah. kind of seg segue from that because Teach was talking about how his grandparents were basically uh, arranged, arranged marriage. <clears throat> you know, and then like I gotta say, my grandparents, I mean, were kind of like arranged too, man. So I mean, if you think about it, just a few generations ago. All you know, all the marriages were arranged. It was very common. Was you very know, common. So could you tell us a little bit about that episode when you were uh, talking to yeah. one of your friends about uh, Indian matchmaking? Yeah, um, yeah. Right when you said arranged marriage, it, it reminded me. I was like, oh yeah, I did that episode. <laughs> and my parents, my parents had an arranged marriage too. And you know, I feel like the definition of arranged marriage is really interesting because um, I feel like so often it kind of people think of arranged marriage, they do think of people from of South Asian descent. But this has been happening for centuries, like, especially if you look at like, you know, royalty in certain ways, like, you know, certain political alliances, that's what arranged Yeah, well, certain royalty is like, mm, yeah, exactly. Right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, arranged marriages are like, not like just from one place. But I think that it, um, for whatever reason, you know, it's, it's, um, come a lot to be associated with South Asians, but I um, was, most of my episodes are interviews or I have a couple solo episodes, but I decided to kind of have one where I um, talked to my friends about the show Indian Matchmaking and I talked to three of my Indian friends. Um, one of my friends is an anthropologist and does a lot of research about Islamophobia. I have another friend who is an actor here in LA and I have another friend from college who is a writer and a mom. And I just thought like it would be a really cool thing to talk to them about their um, perspectives about the show because you know it was in July like you know I mean obviously pandemic still going on but um, it was just like one of those shows that you know I, I didn't want to watch because I was like oh god how is this going to be portrayed <laughs> but then it's also like well I'm going to watch it especially like where it's like pandemic I'm just going to sit here and binge this you know and um, <laughs> it was definitely something where I kind of wasn't like I was watching but like you know on my computer doing other things. I wasn't like sitting there enthralled about it. But, um, you know, a lot of it had so many familiar Indian tropes and whatnot, but I think it also, you know, very much excluded a large, pop of the Indian, a large part of the Indian population. And I just wanted to talk to my friends about that um, from a more of a social and political perspective, because I had heard some podcast episodes about Indian matchmaking, some where they interviewed some of the people on the show, others where, you know, they just talked about some, you know, pressures about, you know, being, getting married and um, ha being of South Asian or Indian descent. And um, I kind of wanted to dig a little deeper because a, a huge part that people don't see, especially if they um, are not part of, you know, Indian culture is the role of caste in terms of these arranged marriages and how important that is. Can you tell um, the audience a little bit about just because like not everybody in yeah. our audience may be familiar with the caste system and um, uh, just just a little bit just I mean so you can have understanding please Nisha. Yeah, sure. No problem. So um, in Hinduism, there's the caste system where um, people are um, a are part of a specific caste. So the highest caste is the Brahmin caste, which are the people who are maybe more religious and are more educators. It's kind of like and, different classes in the in, in society. Yes, it's too, a class. Right? Yeah. It's a class system, and um, one of the oldest systems you know, in the world, basically, too. Right? 
It, it truly is. And I've read in certain places, and I, I would have to really look into this, but I've read in certain places that actually kind of increased in importance after colonization, which I think is really interesting. It's something mm. that the British apparently used to, if anything, like put people against each other, which I think is a really interesting thing to investigate. But um, the Let's lowest talk a little bit caste, more about that uh, <laughs> afterwards. Yeah, 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 for sure. So, um, I mean, yeah, because I mean, it exists today still. Like the caste system is still very prevalent, and um, it's very important for marriage. And um, on those bio, like the bio data that they have in the, the show Indian Matchmaking, it had caste there because that is important to a lot of people. It was important to my parents. Like I know my parents are of the same exact caste. Mm. Um, the lowest caste are what um, I think a lot of people in in um, the West know. Of the untouchable caste, yes. which is called the Dalit caste, and um, these are people that um, they you degrade, know, are, right? And yeah, they are just very like looked down upon. There were there have been like gang rapes of people, and they um, and it's still today very much yeah. alive and well. And even there was even something actually that was written. I think maybe it was in Forbes. I'm forgetting exactly about something that happened. I believe in at Cisco or somewhere in San Francisco where there was discrimination of some Indian engineers against this Dalit engineer um, because oh God, of his caste. Really? Oh my God. Wait, so, so this okay. stuff is very alive, you know? Oh, and like, leave that shit back in the home country. Don't yeah, bring that but, over here. Oh, yeah, I mean, but it's there and it's here and it's very harmful. And you know, I it's ask, even something that, yeah, sorry, go ahead. How is it, po I mean, how do the, um, uh, I'm sorry, I don't want to use this word, but the untouchable class, um, mm -hmm. how, like, how do they, are they able to, I mean, do they, like, just from my previous understanding, I, w I thought they were basically, they do, like, kind of like the jobs in India that, uh, the less desirable jobs, like the graves yeah, and things like that. And <clears throat> yeah, mm -hmm. and things like that. So, I mean, I'm just curious, it's like, there are um, immigrants that uh, kind of apply over here, just like different type of immigrant status. I'm, I'm just surprising to me that they would actually be able to, it seems like it's such a higher caste role uh, to be able to immigrate to America, you know what I mean? So that's just surprising yeah. to me that it's like amazing at the same time that there could be somebody from the lowest caste that actually achieved to be an engineer in America, you, you know? I mean, that, mm -hmm. that's actually pretty amazing. Is that common? You know, I really don't know because I don't okay. have that specific background, but I also think that um, like all you know, I, I remember going to India, visiting family, and, you know, I would see the servants that my, my families had, and they really worked their butts off to save as much money so their kids could be educated. Wow. So, you know, it, it, while it isn't, um, I would say it's more of a social um, thing now. It's not necessarily like you cannot have this job. It's more of like a social, like, um, thing where you're discriminated against. I mean, okay. which is very, very much happening. But um, at the same time, you know, at some point, they were able to save enough money to get their kids educated Amazing. and to, you know. Yeah. So it, ha it has happened, and I'm really glad that that's happened. But at the same time, these stories are still very much, you know, there, and they're not talked about as much, you know, and they're not given as much attention. And even for myself, as being someone who's Indian, I don't hear about those stories too much because my parents, they, like I said, they married in the same caste, like their siblings did too. So I'm only seeing this very. Mm small slice i mean india is big it's the second most yeah. populated country in the world like that's a lot of people like there's yeah. no way growing up as a daughter of immigrants trying to like assimilate in america that that was like on my radar you know it's yeah, only now yeah, yeah. as i've gotten to know other people like um other activists and whatnot um that i've, I've had i wanted to self-reflect about my own background and my own privilege sure. in terms of my caste privilege because it's there you know and 
the, the fact that I didn't realize it shows that I'm privileged, you know, like I sure. would know if, if it affected me, you know? So, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad to know that some, that there has been upward mobility, but at sure. the same time, I find the fact that it had to be upward mobility is like a problem too. Oh, know? definitely. Definitely. And that's Speaking another thing, man. Upward mobility. Can you talk a little bit about the feminism uh, efforts that you've uh, worked on? Sure. I mean, a lot of what I do is going to be based in intersections of oppression. So I look at things like capitalism, I look at things like patriarchy, and I really try to examine those and how the roles that they've played in my life. And I think everything for me came together because I was in a very toxic marriage. I'm divorced. And, um, you know, and in that marriage, I started realizing the role of patriarchy and the emotional abuse from my husband. Um, I realized the ways that he felt pressured to be a certain person and to be this type of man and how that ended up harming myself and him too, you know, um, and how these structures are upheld through things like marriage and through things like these traditional structural, structural system. Um, after I got divorced, you know, one thing that I realized um, that was that I really didn't care to be married again. Like, yeah, sure. I wanted like a, a long-term relationship, but I realized how marriage itself is like a very heteronormative patriarchal structure that like, I just was like, well, I mean, if people want to get married, great. I wanted to get married obviously at one time, but like, I also saw that and I saw how it was a problem. And I think that those are the things that we need to investigate, whether it's that or other traditional structures and really kind of question, you know, like, how we can look at them differently, how we can look at gender binaries, like why can't gender just be fluid? And like um, all, these, all these structures that, you know, are so ingrained in us that, um, you know, are things that we have to consider. Like I myself have misgendered people that are non-binary and I like to acknowledge Oh that my God. Because, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's you know, really a binary person. Like I don't even know what the fuck that means. Like, <laughs> yeah, there are lots of people I, I know I that do now. Don't, I mean, I do yeah. now, but like, it's before i mean yeah. you say it to someone they're like what Does exactly because it's so ingrained but these things have been around for a very very long time it's just that these people were cast out as like freaks you know and then that's really pro a problem because they're human beings just like all of us you know sure. so i'm glad to see more of that happening like in the world but there's a long way to go so that's basically like kind of how i try to do my own like personal and activist work with others and i do that through looking at this trauma that has been passed down through the generations through this these different um, norms that um, kind of create divisions among us totally what do you do for fun <laughs> um <laughs> I just finished binging How to Get Away with Murder, which was like super. Uh oh, whoa. <laughs> I know. I was having wild dreams, we, you guys. Should we like, be concerned? Was... <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I know. Um, no, it was really, really interesting. Uh, it's I a good seen... Netflix. It's it's a good Netflix. It, uh, I see it a couple of. It, it was hard to. It was hard to like. I yeah. It was really hard to like stop. Um, I have two cats. The binger. <laughs> um yeah so i mean i i i want to say i read for fun but that's so nerdy too but that's okay but hey i'm a, I'm a librarian i can i don't mind fitting into that stereotype and the cats are librarian you're thing. allowed to enjoy things yeah, exactly. you like, you know, and... so yeah i mean i love just you know connecting with my friends and supporting them so yeah and i'm sure you I have mean, fun I, podcasting too right i mean yes i do it truly is how long fun. have you been doing the podcast I just started, um, it was funny because I called it my pandemic season. I started in like a, literally like maybe at the end of February and then like one or two episodes in, it was like pandemic. And then I just finished the first season. I'm going to take a few months off. Um, 
before I kind of get it going again. But yeah, so I just started. I literally just started it this year. So, um, well, that's so yeah. interesting that you started before the pandemic because. You know, don't you know that when the pandemic hit, all of a sudden, all these new fucking podcasts all over the <laughs> yeah, place, you know, so because true. people got more time on their hands than you know what to do with. It did kind of help. Having, -talk. <laughs> having that extra time did help me kind of um, stay on track and, you know, oh, oh, make, yeah. make more quality podcasts. I'm not going to lie. Because I don't know. I'm like, man, if, being, if we kind of go back to like, you know, being outside and convening with other people and being more social I, I may not be able to make them as frequently because I want to do those things too. You know, it's good to have you a know life, what? So, Exactly yeah. <laughs> for us. Um, I think, you know, we, we were, when we started podcasting, um, 2018, uh, we hey, pretty 24th. Much... Oh, hell yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Teach. But, uh, basically, you know, for us, I'm the just... old fuck here. What the hell? <laughs> you know, for me, I mean, we were kind of just, I was on the road a lot of times, like traveling, whether it's for music or my, my corporate mm -hmm. career. And then it's like, Hey, whenever we have some time, uh, we would do it and then it became hey whenever i'm traveling mm -hmm. teach should travel with me and we should go talk to people internationally and then the pandemic hit so it's like we kind of like stopped doing in-person ones but we were able to do these zoom zoom meetings and we mm. pretty much did more uh during the pandemic well i mean i don't know there's no end in sight yet but i mean we did more yeah. <laughs> during this pandemic than we did the entire first two seasons that we ever did. Wow, and then, yeah. So it's kind of like a routine for us now. It's almost like working out, every, you know? So, I mean, we've been doing <laughs> Dude, like- I missed, I missed, you know, not doing it yesterday. It was kind of like, you know, <laughs> it's like a, that Tuesday <laughs> injection of, of energy. You know, it's, it's like incredible energy when, you, when you're doing something like this. And if you're interviewing somebody and you're getting to know them and help them, you know, reach a new platform, get people to know them in a candid way. And, you know, I got to tell you, the first podcast that, that James and I did, you know, I had no idea how it was going to go because I had been on a couple of them before. And I just remember this one where I had told, like, basically my whole life story, you know, and I thought, man, that covered some time, right? And it only like 10 minutes. And I was like, holy <laughs> shit, man. The fuck are we going to talk about the rest of this goddamn podcast? But, you know, the first uh, first one we did was actually – day before my second solo show we were, um, I was set up in this uh, rental space and James came by and um, I was still getting set up for my show and he's like look dude I know you still got you know quite a few things to do before your show you know we can do this another time I'm like oh dude I said I was gonna do this man of my word man let's get this going and you know going into it I was like man you know I'll do anything for James he's like one of the best dudes that I know you know <laughs> nice, what I mean man. I'm gonna give this a try you know what I mean but we, we got started and then, you know, it seemed like, I don't know, a little while later he goes, dude, that's an hour. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, I, dude, I could have kept going for fucking hours. You know what I mean? We just started basically where we kind of met and, and, you know, the street art blog that was going at the time. And that's where we started. We just started going. And, I'm, and it was at that point, I was like, man, if you and I can, can bullshit like this for an hour, <laughs> we can bring anybody in and easily get an hour okay yeah. so it was that at that point that i knew i could i could easily do this and, easily and, and then a lot of these episodes that we've done you know you just come out of it it's like a I've, i haven't really i don't know if i've seen this in the um dictionary or anything but i've, I've heard the term used neuroplasticity mm. have you ever heard of that yeah okay um and it's basically like a pay it forward type thing you know you do something that that helps someone without expecting anything in return and it's not only like a, um, a mental, you know, 
um, enjoyment that you get, but it's also a physical, um, you know, that you get a physical healing off mm -hmm. of it. And you can really heal yourself physically by doing lots of neuroplasticity. And so this for me was my injection of neuroplasticity. And um, yeah, I, I'll do this till the day I die, man. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's enjoyable. And here we are 120, 23 episodes later, you, you know, I mean, <clears throat> it's, it's a really big achievement even for me. And you know, you're talking about like, Hey, we uh, have more episodes than the, than friends, the TV show <laughs> friends. There you I go. I don't. I don't know if that's true, but I. I think so. <laughs> I'm like, is it hey, probably? Look into it, okay? And Bravo, look into it, bro. Go ahead, look say. into it. I'll do a real. While we're talking here. I'll do a real quick fact check. How many episodes <laughs> of Friends are there? I'm sorry, bro. Uh, you're wrong. It's 236 episodes <laughs> of Friends. Okay, because all right, you guys. You know, I'm a, I'm a big Friends fan, dude. Okay, I'm just saying. All the all the graffiti writers listening are like, what the fuck, that? dude? <laughs> But no, I'm just. Somebody <laughs> told we'll me We'll get that, there. That... We'll get there, man. We'll get. We'll get there. But we aren't there yet. You, you know what I mean. But one thing, yeah, you know, they, one can't, th they can't increase anymore, so we're catching up. <laughs> That's true. That's true. One thing that I love, though, it's just that you were talking about like speaking to uh, just the, all different types of people, and uh, we interviewed a guy named uh, Lucky Anderson, who's a uh, <clears throat> a trans male actually, who painted uh, the. Hollywood Boulevard, all of Black Lives Matter um, mm. during kind of like that that time. So we always kind of like bring somebody who's art related, especially street art related a lot of times or adjacent to the podcast and kind of like just having them speak their thoughts. And I learned so much on that podcast, actually. You know, one of the biggest things I learned was that it's like, hey, man, a lot of people are over here having this discussion. Is it like, you know, are you passing? Yeah, are you, you know, that, 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 uh, that's one of the terms I learned actually, which I, mm -hmm. I love learning like good terms that like don't offend people, you know, because I don't, you know, I, nobody wants to offend people on accident, especially, right? So, another, mm -hmm. but the cool thing is that I, this is the main key thing I took away from it was it's like, hey, it's a growing population and, uh, they deserve to have kind of like their own medical studies done for them. And I was just like, I think we can all agree on that, you know? So I think that's like, that's like a pretty, uh, you know. No one's going after that kind of lifestyle, you know what I mean? No one dreams of going into one of those lifestyles saying, yeah, this is what I want to do because it's, you know, you're so fucking discriminated and everything. So, um, but I just thought yeah, at the I, end of the they, day, with they already have that going against them. They deserve to have a lot more respect. Yeah. You, you know, and I just think having more conversations with different types of people is always a good thing just to learn about, you know, different intersections of life that you, like you said, you know? Yeah. Now see James, you know, back in the day, you know, he used to be a drug dealer. <laughs> That's Tell him true. about those days, James, go ahead. Well, I used to be a pharmaceutical rep actually. <laughs> drug <laughs> dealer, call it what you I want. I mean, yeah. You know, so, I mean, I, I dealt drugs for the corporate people, not for the street people. I mean that, that too, <laughs> you know, I would, I would take drugs sometimes, but. Oh, look, no, I actually, put his fancy, his fancy <laughs> drug coat on. But that's how I kind of started this uh, street art community, actually. My territory was um, kind of like the Hollywood and L.A. area. And there's this mm. uh, area of doctors that would go deliver to. And there's just tons of street art popping up um, all over the place that was so intriguing. And I was just like, wow, I got Somebody's got to take pictures of it. Nobody's putting pictures of it online. And uh, I kind of just started taking it, pictures of that. At that time, Instagram wasn't even around yet. I started putting pictures mm. on Facebook because everybody, all the street artists are anonymous, actually, right? So um, kind of just formed this little community. And like 10 years later, here we have Ellie's Shirt Gallery. Wait, no, 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 no. You missed a part. 
he, like you, was very wise and came up with the name L.A. Street Art Gallery mm. and did his homework and was like, what? No one has this yet? <laughs> and so he got it. And oh, just nice. because of that alone, L.A. Street Art Gallery, tell her what that brings you, James. Well, I mean, what do you mean? Well, just the, the, the clients that get in touch with you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, BMW, Pepsi, they've kind of like got in touch with us because everybody who wanted to be in touch with like uh, the street art community, they don't know who to go to um, necessarily, you know. So it was nice to have this like umbrella kind of like community. Yeah, the hub. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So we kind of saw that. And uh, oh, one more thing, Nisha, I wanted to say, I, I almost, I didn't get married, but I almost got married. We already had the date planned with a house bought and everything <laughs> like that. And Dude, uh, you know, missile. I had to uh, ended up like not getting married and sell the house and like do the whole divorce uh, without the papers too. So I totally right. know what you mean by freaking the pressures of society, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah, and like I said, I wanted to be married, but now I'm like, you know, I I oh, realize like what a relationship can be and like how it's important to concentrate on that as opposed to other things. So yeah. Oh, totally. Definitely. Mm -hmm. totally you know and what do you know i mean that's pretty much an hour guys man you know <laughs> i know <laughs> i just wanted to share yeah. with you guys that but I, I knew you'd be a good guest like come on other podcast hosts know how to keep the conversation <laughs> <laughs> that's what i always figured <laughs> you know i mean so we were we were gonna take this week off because of the election but we want to mm -hmm. give uh, yeah. the audience like a little bit of distraction and also uh introduce yes. uh nisha's podcast if you want to learn a little bit about my people um, my, you know, the okay. Asians that immigrate over and kind of their story and uh, Nisha's kind of like, uh, um, I guess, uh, worldview a little bit more. Um, can you drop your website and also, um, you know, where they can find your podcast and stuff like that? Sure. Yeah. My podcast is called Migrations, M-I-G-R-A-S-I-A-N-S. -S -S, and um, you can find it on all the major podcast um, players. Um, you can go to my website if you want. It's nishaland.com slash podcast if you want to stream it from there. Um, and yeah, um, follow me on Instagram. My handle is Healing Hype Girl because I'm all about that healing hype. Yeah. And yeah, um, follow me on all, all the things. Um, yes. Definitely would love to hear feedback and hear more people interested in the podcast and grateful to you both for um, sharing the podcast love. There I am. There she is. <laughs> Check out her website. It's nishaland.com. N-I-S-H-A-L-A-N-D.com. And you know, there's a bunch Another of Another clever name. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, someone took my first name, last name till 2028. So, but I, I, I know I, I tried to find them, but I couldn't find who they were. So it's all right. I like Nisha Land. It sounds like a fun place to be. So <laughs> and can I ask you, in, like your last name Modi, is that like mm -hmm. in uh, your native language the same as the prime minister last name? Or is that like yes. a different? Okay, because it's spelled with, Modi is spelled with the I with the prime minister, uh, yeah. right? The I is the more common spelling of it, but um, for whatever reason, I was a Y. I've asked my dad, I, I asked him several times about this, and he's like, I don't know, just that's just how it was. And I'm like, but and it confused me because I'm like, yeah, but you aren't using English characters, so how did it happen? But <laughs> I get, I've never gotten an answer, so I've just dealt with it. Well, but, yeah, it, it's, it's probably the British, uh, the British people learning, finding Something, ways to separate did, people, you, you know what I mean? They did something. <laughs> As, as they do, as they do, yeah. yeah that's awesome, man. Yeah, so, they don't care if they misspell it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs>
Oh, yeah. Thank you so much, Nisha, for coming on and uh, telling us a bit about your show. And uh, we appreciate you so much, okay? Thank you both. I truly, truly appreciate it. And appreciate Hell yeah. Being here. All Dope. right. Oh, Teach, so um, pretty much uh, leave us a review um, uh, on iTunes. Follow us at PTTP Show. And uh, thank you very Spotify. much. Yeah, it's listed on Spotify and uh, check us out on YouTube. To the audience, love you guys. Take care and peace. Peace. Bye.